couple of words. Like all people from uh, Liverpool, uh, Grandma Maisie was a football supporter. And she, of course, followed Liverpool. Liverpool are playing tomorrow. So we'll, instead, we'll mention that Leeds won today 3-0. Leeds is where Grandma Maisie lived all of her married life, where, of course, my mum and two sisters were brought up. And I think I've mentioned previously that shortly after Auntie Abigail Alea Shalom was born, Grandma Maisie moved from Liverpool to Leeds to avoid the Nazi bombings. But she was not going to leave behind her mother and younger brothers to their fate in Liverpool, so to speak. So she brought them with to live in Leeds, a wonderful example of doing the right thing. So I think this is something very good that we can learn from Grandma Maisie going into Yom Kippur. If we are going to come before Hashem to ask, to, to ask Hashem to forgive our sins, first of all, we need to resolve to do the right thing by our friends, our family, our community, etc. Thank you all for joining us at this late hour on Arab Yom Kippur. Apologies to our family in England who might be listening to this recording that you are not with us live this year. And a very special thank you to Rabbi Bravinder for not only coming along every year to inspire us with words of Torah at this very important time. And I think this year, with every, everything going on in our country, we probably need some, some inspiration more than ever. But also to say, I recently passed my 30-year anniversary of living in Israel. And as I started in your yeshiva one month after I arrived, it means that you have been teaching me Torah and inspiring me for 30 years. And for that, there are no words that can adequately express my thanks. So, Rabbi Bravinder, once I have unmuted you, the floor is yours. I will share the uh, source sheet on my screen. Now, do you hear me? Now you hear me, okay. Um, let me think about, what, what do you sort of think about during Aseret Yimei We all know that this is an important time. Ah, yeah, This is an important time. And uh, where do we turn in order to get a little bit of a, a, a responsible understanding of what is going on in our lives. To me, it's always been the Rambam. It's always been the Rambam. You know that hundreds of years, several hundred years after the Rambam died, there was a controversy about the Rambam himself. I mean, to us, it seems kind of impossible. How could you have a question about the Rambam? The opposite is true. All the questions we have are answered by the Rambam. But in those days, it wasn't perfectly clear who the Rambam was. 
and what the Rambam had done in the writings that he had put together, especially in the book called Moreh Nebuchim, which is a book of philosophy. Yeah, people didn't like that. People didn't like that, and they tried to collect, you know, signatures to ban the Rambam. So, of course, they turned to the Ramban. Ramban, the great commentary on the on the Torah, on the Chumash. The Ramban was the great man of his generation, without a doubt, and was also open-minded and understood about philosophical things. They said to the Ramban, the, the Ramban you should sign on. Sign on against the Rambam. Join us in denying the Rambam a special place in the world. The Ramban's answer was the following. He said, if we put away the Rambam, who is going to teach us Hilchot Shuvah? So that in that time, in the several hundred years that passed, from the time that the Rambam wrote the Hilchot Shuvah until the Ramban's comment, everybody understood Everybody understood that the profundity in the assessment of the Rambam was something that we can't ignore. And it seems to me that in a sheer, given at a difficult time of the day and a difficult time of the year, and uh, each of us having their own difficulties, this year we turn to the Rambam to ask him to help us. Help us understand what we are doing during Hil, during So we look at the Rambam Hilchot Shuvah, which is on the screen, Halacha Aleph. It says the following, Kol Mitzvot Shabbat Torah. Kol Mitzvot Shabbat Torah doesn't mean all of the mitzvot, but it means any of the mitzvot of the Torah. Ben Asay, Ben Lota Asay. Now that he goes to list the mitzvot, I mean, you would think that that was enough to say, kol mitzvot Shabbat Torah. He says, ben asay, ben lota say, positive commands, negative commands, so, so what is it that he's adding when he says, ben asay, ben lota say? It seems to me that the Rambam thought of us as making a, a kind of essential mistake in our attitude to Torah and mitzvot. And that essential mistake was that there are different values that I can give to the mitzvot in the Torah. There was some mitzvot, if I do it by punishment, you know, some mitzvot, the punishment is uh, skila, stoning. And some mitzvot, the punishment, if you don't do them, is only makot, stripes. So you would say, well, you know, I did a, I, I did the wrong thing, but it was only about a minor offense. It wasn't about a really big thing. I didn't, it wasn't halal Shabbat, but chas v'shalom. What I, I did was something that was not really so obvious. So the Rambam says, in as far as the punishment of the mitzvot is correct, is, is separate, you are right. Sometimes the punishment is greater, sometimes it's lesser. 
But in fact, all the mitzvot of the Torah are divine. All the mitzvot of the Torah are what God wants us to do. So from the point of view of God's will and our understanding of that will, there is no difference between one mitzvah and the other. And even if God has ordained that some mitzvot get a stronger, strident, more strident punishment, it doesn't matter. For us, what we're doing is denying God's will. We're denying what God wants of us. And that's the Rambam wants us to think of Torah in that way. The Rambam wants us to be responsive to the idea, to the idea that Torah is a reflection in some way of divine will. And since it's a direction, it's a, it's about the divine will, it doesn't really matter what you do or what you don't do against that divine will. It doesn't matter, according to the Rambam. If a person denies one of these precepts, either b'meizid or b'shkaga. Again, it doesn't matter, even b'shkaga. Because what does shkaga mean? By by accident? You did it accidentally? I mean, how could that happen? How could a person do something accidentally? So the Rambam says that itself is a denial of God's will. Because you're you're supposed to be concerned about fulfilling what God wants of us. Then the Rambam says, This I've mentioned to you, I think, in the past. In Hebrew, I mean, you know, the Rambam wrote this, these halachot in Hebrew. Everything else he wrote in Arabic, but the book called Yad HaChazakah was written in uh, was written in Hebrew, so he says, sounds like when he does tshuva. Well, how does the Rambam know that he's going to do tshuva? So the Rambam's answer to that is, that's the kind of person that we're talking about. We're talking about a kind of person who's stuck in the world of Torah and mitzvot, but doesn't always live up to the standard. He'll do tshuva. So the Rambam says, there's an obligation that he has to confess. Now we know the day after tomorrow is Yom HaKippurim. And Yom HaKippurim has largely to do with confession. We confess all day long on on uh, Yom HaKippurim. Chayav litvadot lifnei hakel baruchu We have to confess, that's according to the Rambam, the real mitzvah of Yom HaKippurim is confession. Is confession. And how do we confess? Well, we take the machzor that we either bought this year or the machzor that we used last year. We liked it. And we say, and then there's an almost endless list of possible sins that you have that you have produced. He says, 
חייב להתוודות לפני הקהל ברוך הוא שנאמר, וזה פסוק, איש או אישה, a person, a man or a woman, כי עשו והתוודו את חטאתם אשר עשו, וזה וידוי דברים. So וידוי דברים is interesting, because if we look in the sitter, if we look in the sitter, We look in the Siddur, we see two forms of confession. One is the short form, and the other is the long form, but they're similar. The short form, for example, starts with Shamnu, Bagadnu, Gazalnu, Dibarnu, Dofi. Now, I don't consider myself particularly righteous, but I'm not in all of those categories, to the best of my knowledge. I'm not in, I mean... I don't know exactly what I'm talking about. That's why I think sometimes we sing the vidui, you know, vidui. Confession is something that should shock us. You know, like I'm confessing to sins. But the fact of the matter is, I don't see myself as a sinner on that exalted level. How many sins can one person claim for himself? So the answer is, the answer is that, that when I confess, I, I have to understand that all my life, I'm pushing that confession away. I'm denying who I really am. I'm denying the way other people see me. I'm denying the fact that I was able to, to do things that I should not have done, but I got away with them. No one is bothering me about it. No one is bothering me about it. And therefore, the sinner says to you, you better, you better confess to everything. Because if you confess to everything, it'll come up. It'll, your, your mind will play a trick on you and you'll be able to say, oh, yeah, yeah, I did it. That's the strength of the vidui. That's what the Rambam says is so important about confession. You have to confess, the Rambam says, because if you don't confess, you will successfully cover up. You'll be successful in denying what you did and who you were and where you are. And that denial, that denial, my friends, is something that you have to avoid. And the way you avoid it, according to the Rambam, is confession. Confession means I take upon myself the burden of looking into things. Maybe I slipped up in a place where I was not certain that I slept up. And so the Rambam, the Rambam teaches us things about tshuva, that are actually remarkable, that the issue of tshuva is the cover-up. And the cover-up is exposed, according to the Rambam, the, uh, the cover-up is exposed by vidui, by confession. And the confession is formalized in the Siddur, in the Maqsar, by the short vidui and the long vidui. The short vidui, ashamnu, bagadnu, gazalnu, dabarnu, dofi.
and the long vidui over again and over again and over again, even though we're certain that there isn't a single person in the room who's done all of those transgressions. And yet, for each of us, there's a cheshbon. We have to check with our own ability, our own ability to recognize who we are, who we really are, not the cover-up version of ourselves. But if we did it, if we, we spoke Lashon Haraz, Anavera, that is very difficult to avoid in this day and age. I mean, in order not to speak Lashon Haraz, you probably don't have to speak, but we may not be aware of it in spite of the fact that we all do it. We may not be aware of it. We may not be aware of who we hurt. We're not aware of the fact that somebody is suffering because of because of us. So these are the principles of the that the Rambam brings up in his first halacha, the very first halacha. The way he formulates it is, is this that tshuva? Oy vey, I did something wrong. I'd like to get a little tshuva. That kind of tshuva is obvious. Everybody is going to do that. Everybody who thinks that tshuva is helpful will do tshuva for whatever he thinks. He knows that he did wrong, but what about all the rest of it, according to the Rambam? What about the fact that you didn't pay attention to the things you were doing and that you psychologically are able to cover it up and to deny it? So the Rambam says, vidui. That's what we mean when we say, when we say there's a mitzvah. Is an obligation. The obligation means, in this case, an obligation means if not for the obligation, you wouldn't do it. Not for the obligation to do vidui, you wouldn't do a vidui. You'd stand there quietly, look up at heaven, and say, gee, quiet without say, enunciating a thing. Sorry. Sorry. But the Ramam says it's the person who is addressed what the person really did, what the person really acted out, the real uh, source of his problems that, that force him to do tshuva, and that's done through, that's done through bidui, confession. The second halacha, the Ramam starts off by saying, Sa'ir mishtaleach, Sa'ir, there's a goat that you send out on Yom HaKippurim. We all know that story. The Fishu Kaparal called Yisrael. There's a Kaparal called Yisrael. There's a special kind of Kapara, atonement, which devolves upon all of Am Yisrael. There are sins that can be done by all of Am Yisrael. All of Am Yisrael. And he goes through some information about the Sa'ir Lazazel. Interestingly, the Rambam already says that there's something called national kapara, national atonement. That as a nation, we do things that are wrong. And I mean, wrong meaning not in line with what the Torah wants. I mean, you know, I... uh, I don't really get along with politics. So I won't mention that you might see it quite clearly in our times 
that uh, we need a national kind of tshuva. But the Rambam says that the national tshuva has a special place in our understanding of things. When we stand before God, we're not only individuals standing before God, but we're part of a community. We're part of a nation. We're part of a people that went through terrible, oppressive states, terrible during their history, and were able somehow to return, return themselves to a, a positive position. Uh, without without talking about it, I mean, we could talk about it all uh, as much as we would, but as we want. But the Rambam says there, "Mishdaleach lefishu kaparal kol Yisrael." How does that work? Atonement for everybody. Answer: Kohen gadol mitvadei alav, alishon kol Yisrael. He is the Kohen gadol that somehow takes the presence of Am Yisrael, he represents Am Yisrael in this in this matter. There's such a, according to the Rambam, those of you who like and learn Rav Kook understand that Avonot called B'nai Yisrael is a special notion that Rav Kook developed extensively and is worth trying to follow his lead in. But Sa'ira Mishtaleach, this goat, Mechaper al Kola Veroche Batorah, Akalot Vachabarot, the same thing is true about the goat as it's true about the person. The goat is Mechaper al Kola Veroche Batorah. Atones all the averot uh, in the Torah, akalot v'chamurot, all the averot that were done by the people as a community, they are all subject to uh, to atonement through the goat on Yom Kippurim. Let's go to Halacha Gimel, and this will be uh, the end of our. First reading of the Rambam. Allah Gimel, you see, the Rambam says, Bisman hazeh, she'ein peint mikdash kayam, ve'ein lano mizbeah kapara, ein sham ela tshuva. Again, bisman hazeh, meaning the time of the Rambam. The time of the Rambam, a thousand years after the Churban Beit HaMikdash. The Rambam says, I just told you that tshuva is dependent on your personal commitment to tshuva, your personal commitment to vidui, to to uh, confession. That's what I told you. And then I told you that there's a sayer mashtaleach, because the people, the community as a whole, they also need tshuva. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu offers it to them in the beta, eh, with the with what's going on in the beta Mikdash. But we could add to that the Gemara says that every korban tamid, every sacrifice that is given in the morning, korban tamid, has with it the element of tshuva. 
the carbon that you give in the morning is chuva on the night, and the carbon that you give in the afternoon is chuva on the day. So that there's always a connection between the Beta Mikdash and and Shuva, not only the Sa'ira Mishtalek, but other things as well. So the Rambam says, Bizman Hazeh, Sha'ina Beta Mikdash Kayam. So there is no Beta Mikdash. We don't have a altar that gives us Kapara atonement, Ancham Ela Chuva, he said. Ancham Ela Chuva. Chuva exists. The chuva, the original chuva, that it is, it cannot be that Hakadosh Baruch Hu would take away from us the the opportunity to do chuva, which is really the opportunity to live. Hatshuva mechaperet the chuva atones al kol haaverot on all the transgressions. Afilu rasha kol yamav, even if he's wicked, his entire day vasachuva bachrona. And he did tshuva at the end of his day. You don't even mention shumdava misho. Why not? Because he did tshuva. What do you mean he did tshuva? It might have actually not only got him atonement, which is kind of a stay of execution, but the tshuva that he received, the tshuva that he did, I'm sorry, made him into a new man. Somebody, somebody else. You don't mention, tell him, oh, you used to do this, or you used to do that. Once he does tshuva, he disconnects himself from the resha, from the evil that he perpetrated. Lashavim and the day of Yom Kippurim still is in existence. Lashavim to those who do tshuva shedemaki biyom azeich aparalechem. This is the day of atonement, and that has not changed. That's what the Rambam says. The Rambam gives us a historical overview and says, you know, we don't have the Beit Hamikdash, so how do we do tshuva? I mean, isn't there always something missing if you don't have the Beit HaMikdash, if you're not able to, if you're not able to do the tshuva within the parameters of Beit HaMikdash, Korban Tamid, Sa'ir Mishtaleach, you can't do that. So the Rambam says, no, all of those things, all of those things are still possible because the fundamental element in tshuva is tshuva. It's true that HaKadosh Baruch Hu enables us to do tshuva even when we may not be so willing to accept that responsibility. And that's where the Korban helps and that's where where the Sar Mishtalech helps. But really, it's it's all yours, the Rambam says. It's all about you. It's all about discovering what you've done in the past, discovering who you really are. And once you discover who you really are, you'll know what the tshuva that you that you try to do is about. I wish you all thank you again for coming around. All the best to you. Be well.